We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 15 and 16. And I'm going to pair these together because they say the exact same thing. Um, but what I love is that they are to two different people. And the thought that I had is, um, as a mother, and as my children have gotten their patriarchal blessings, there have been phrases or things that have been said that have been the same in their blessings that could make you think, yep, they just have these catchphrases that they put that are very general. And, um, but I know from my patriarchal blessing and from theirs that there are things in there that no one else would know that God speaks directly to them. And I love that these are individual blessings and it doesn't matter that they're word for word. Both he tells them, both John and both Peter, there are things that no one knows that you have prayed and asked of me. You've prayed to know. And just that statement right there, confirming to them, I see you and I know who you are. I know your name and there is a plan for you and there is a role for you. It doesn't matter that both have the same role. It doesn't matter that both are given these words. What matters is that it's individual. And I love that both are included here. And in the hand, handbook, the student manual, it says, the Lord spoke, the words were part of building the kingdom of God. The same advice would be useful to all men then as now. It doesn't matter that it's the same. And it talks about the authenticity of Joseph Smith, the fact that he would include both. It said that there were so many scraps of paper, so many notes that were saved, that Joseph saved everything he could um, to show the building of the church, the authenticity of it. And they said it just is such a witness to the authenticity of it that he would include both here and not just go well here was one and his brothers was exactly the same so I loved that because I do think if we were to compare patriarchal blessings it could it could the world would very much diminish those things I love that they tell us to treasure those and keep those sacred because they were given just to us these words that are here in 15 and 16 could be said to you and me but that doesn't negate that they they were given to Peter, that they were given to John, and that they were special for them. I love that. Every time I have asked a student when they will come back from getting their patriarchal blessing, I will say, is there anything that you can share about that experience without telling us the personal information? And every time they will say there, you know, they will share that how much love they felt from the Savior, that it was such a spiritual experience. And then I will say, is there things in your blessing that no one else would know? Not your mom and dad, not your bishop, not anyone. And they all just, it's amazing how it is such a witness that the Lord knows us individually. And so I love that here in 15 and 16. Okay, it starts and says, um, listen to the words of Jesus Christ, for behold, I speak with sharpness and with power. And what that says, and I love that mine arm is over all the earth. Man, in our day, are we seeing that? Can there be any doubt? I mean, I used to teach about the second coming. I used to teach about things, but in my head, I would sit and think, how is that possible? I mean, 
how in the world is he going to bring us to our knees in seconds? Is that even possible? A man with COVID, uh, my testimony of his arm being over all the earth, um, just it silenced all of those questions of how it's possible. I have no doubt that um, his arm is over all the earth. So I love that. But I love that he talks with sharpness and with power. And what that says to me is make no mistake. I am in charge. And I love that it uses these words with sharpness, which means clarity to the point. Like we talked about yesterday, the two-edged sword that drives to the heart, pierces to the heart his message. Sharpness and power. And, and it just tells us his arm, which is such a symbol of power, is over all the earth. God is in charge. He is overall. And I think that's what this says. Okay. Um, I love that in verse four, many times you've desired to know. It tells us that they sought to know and, and prayed many times. What is the most important thing I could do? I wondered that too. As I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, how many times have I thought, Heavenly Father, what is the greatest thing I could do? I remember at one point in time, I was called to be, we lived in Boise, Idaho, and for months, we had just moved there, and for months, I had this feeling come to me again and again, you're going to be called to be the choir director, and I kept thinking, oh no, oh no, I mean, I studied um, music, <laughs> I took piano for eight years, I took flute, I took voice, and up at Utah State, I studied music, and then realized you only get one credit for each of those, and so changed it to fine arts, but I, I really, really love music, and I really spent a lot of time working at that and months those feelings would come and and truly it became apparent in this ward in Boise there was no one else there wasn't a plan b <laughs> they didn't have a choir they didn't have they barely had someone who could play the hymns and accompany us in as a congregation they didn't have someone in primary it was just very minimal and so it's like he gave me months I think it was about six months to come around to this and realize um, no one was going to be watching me judging me going why did you pick her they were going to be grateful that I knew just maybe a little bit more and had studied maybe a little bit more than these people who were willing to do it and and didn't have the study that I had or the time that I had put in. And the amazing thing is when the bishop <laughs> asked me, he said, for months your name has come and I just have continued to put it to the side. And he said, finally, I just thought, okay, I'll ask her, Heavenly Father. I don't even know if she knows anything about music. And I was just bawling. And anyway, I said, yes, I'll do it. Or he said, think about it. And I went away and I read an article in the Ensign that week and it was just as a story and it talked about that the church had come up with these simplified hymns and were taking these keyboards into third world countries so that they could teach these basic hymns for these people so that they could accompany their congregations because they found music to be so important, hymns to be so important. And as I read this little tiny thing, this little statement of what the church was doing, I felt the Spirit say to me, are you better than these people? And I just started to cry. 
And I realized it was my pride, my not wanting to look stupid. I have been around incredible musicians my whole life, people who I wish I sang like or who I wish I played like, <clears throat> people who truly have been blessed with the gift of music. And yes, I have a great appreciation of it, but unfortunately my talent doesn't match what I would like it to be, what I see in other people. But man, when I said yes, and they set me apart, they said, this will be a blessing to you in a way you've not ever known before. This will bring the spirit into your life in a way you've never known before. Music started to play in my head. And for two years, I was able to write music. And um, it did bring the spirit into my home like I could not believe. But at the end of about two years, I just felt like I could never shut it off. Like in the middle of the night, music would be playing and I'd be paranoid that I'd lose it by morning. I wouldn't remember what the song was or the tune was. And so I'd jump up from my bed and I'd run down to the piano and I'd plunk it out and I'd write the notes down. And it was a very, I imagine <laughs> when we talk about the steps Joseph Smith went to translate, I imagine it was like his first steps. It was very, um, very basic, very elementary. And I remember at one point uh, really praying to write the song in my heart, the words of my heart. And this one time the Lord blessed me and I could, it came. And within 48 hours I had this song and it was the song that I used when my dad died with pictures of his life. And it is a beautiful song to me still because I feel like it was such a gift from the Lord that he took from my heart and with my very minimal talents and abilities, he accelerated that and, and allowed me to write my testimony, my, my prayer in this song. Well, the interesting thing is at the end of the two years, I knelt down and I remember the spirit saying to me, if you were to die, what would you want it to say on your tombstone? Would you want it to say she was a great musician? She wrote 65 songs. Would you want it to say she was a great writer? Would you want, what would you want it to say? And it was really this conversation in my head with the spirit. And I remember saying, really getting to the end of that conversation and saying, I would want it to say she was a great mom that she truly loved her children and taught her children. She was a great mom. And that made me realize I needed to silence that music in my head. And so I did something very hard for me and very courageous. And I asked the Lord to take that gift and remove it. And he did. And I have been told if I prayed for it again, it would come back but I haven't felt the need to do that. There have been other things that I have felt are more important. I still have our youngest is still in our home. And so that is still the greatest thing I could do. And so I loved this, that the humility of these two men to ask, because I've sat and thought, I, I still have that question right today. What is the greatest thing you would have me do? I finished seminary and that's so hard for me because... 
it was such a wonderful gift in my life, but a really, really hard thing at the same time. And I love that these two men had that similar question to me. It does make me feel so at one with them and so that this revelation is for all of us. What is the greatest thing you would have me do? And I love this because it says in verse 6, And now behold, I say to you, the thing which will be of most worth unto you will be to declare repentance unto this people, that you may bring souls to me, that you may rest with them in the kingdom of my Father. Amen. And in my own scripture study this morning, I'm at the spot where the Lord asked the twelve apostles, the Nephite apostles, disciples, what is the one thing you would have me give? And again, I've shared this. Um, I find that so touching that those three would say, I want to stay and bring souls to thee. That's Jesus's desire. That's theirs. That was John the Beloved's Baptist desire. Um, and I just, not John the Baptist, John the Beloved, sorry, his desire. And I just love that the closer we come to Christ, the more faithful we are to those daily things of praying and scripture studying and starting the day, trying to be like him. The older we get, the closer we get to him, the more our life becomes aligned with him and his desires, the more we realize we become one with him in bringing others to him. That's why motherhood it was the greatest gift and it's a lifelong calling is because I get to bring souls to him. I get to teach them. That's why seminary was such a privilege and a blessing. I got to testify and be used by him. That's why missionary work is such a gift and a blessing. And that's why nothing comes close to the joy, the fullness of joy that comes from doing that. It's because we are one with Christ and doing what Heavenly Father has asked us to do, and that is to bring souls to him, to be gatherers. It's what President Nelson said. Do you want to be part of the team? Do you want to be gatherers for the Lord to bring? I believe before we came, we were asked what greatest thing we would want, and we chose. The Spirit said, you desired that to be one with me, and in the winding up scenes in these days, to bring souls to Christ. That was your desire. I love that. I love there's no mistaking the message that that which would be of most worth to all of us is to declare to declare repentance and to allow them to know of the covenants and the chance to be one with Christ and live with him forever to know of the ordinances that we have and to know that that is what this whole earth life was designed for that's what the plan was and I just love there's no mistaking the message it is to the point it is sharp like he says at the beginning and powerful and there is no greater blessing we could have than to be used by him to do that I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.